Welcome to the Sports Card Lessons Podcast with your host, Big Ken, a retired teacher bringing you lessons each week he's learned in the hobby by taking you behind the table and inside the mind of a dealer and a collector. Sit back and relax. There won't be a test. The only thing being graded here is the cards. Welcome to the Sports Card Lessons Podcast. I'm your host, Big Ken. Whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on a streaming service, please like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you'll be notified whenever I drop any new content. Welcome, and thanks for being here. I spent my hobby time this week preparing for the Fenway show. I talked about all these great cards I'm purchasing for the National being funded by selling what's currently in my cases. So as I continue to sell cards, I have holes to fill in my cases. I also have been carrying my value dollar boxes to shows, uh, and they've been the same boxes that I've been carrying. Um, I really haven't updated them um, because there's so many cards in them, right? So if I go to a show and I sell 30 or 40 cards out of the out of a value box, it doesn't even look like it made a dent sometimes. Um, but it was starting to look like a little bit of dent in the boxes. And I felt like they were getting a little stale. Like, you know, the same, you know, a lot of times we see the same people at the same shows and they go through the boxes and they start and start to see the same cards. Um, and a lot of them just aren't selling. So I decided I had time this week. Uh, it was time to make a new value box. So I pulled out the plastic containers <laughs> and God, do I have a lot of plastic containers around here with cards in them, but I pulled the ones out with football cards, all rookies from 2020, 21, 22. And, and most of those, most of those rookies are quarterbacks, believe it or not, because those are the ones that I kept the most, the, a lot of the, and, and like the top draft pick wide receivers, stuff like that. But you know, the linemen, things like that. A lot of those went, you know, I got rid of those already. So these are the ones that I thought over time they were worth saving. Uh, sadly mistaken. <laughs> I remember all the boxes of wax I was ripping, all the breaks I bought into. Man, I could not get enough. I was buying blaster boxes 10 at a time, right? Uh, it was, it was, you know, during or just at the end of COVID, right? Chasing downtowns, kabooms, numbered cards, color parallels, patches, autos, you know, whatever I can get out of those. Um, and as I go through all these cards and I realize there's really nothing more than just dollar box stuff here, stuff that I thought at the time was, you know, going to have some value in it. Uh, and I think what had happened was most of the cards at the time that did have value, you know, probably had, had moved them over the last couple of years. Uh, and probably at the same time, they probably aren't worth any more, any more than they were worth when I pulled them out of the box. So I don't think they've gained or lost any value. I think they're probably the same price. So I got a brand new five row box uh, and I filled it up, you know, like 95, 96% rookies, all football singles, 
three full rows of $1 cards, one row of $2 cards, and one row of like three to $30 cards, right? The, uh, the, the patches, the, the numbered cards, things like that. Even, even some autographs in there of some players that, you know, we're still playing, but the market determines that, you know, there's not much value in their autographed rookie card, I guess. Um, and believe it or not, uh, I probably have enough to fill almost another five row box. Um, so I just decided what, you know, I wanted to get a good mix of cards and put them in this box and see how well this goes. And if it goes well, I've got, I've got, you know, more reinforcements to, uh, backfill, uh, depending on how well they sell. And I'm almost excited. I mean, doing this has really gotten me excited because I haven't, I haven't really had, you know, that much, I want to say excitement getting ready for a show. You know, to me, it's, you know, I don't mind doing it, but it's long and drawn out. You got to go through every card, you know, that I, I usually start, you know, Wednesday or Thursday going through, you know, making sure I've got all the stuff. And if I have more stuff to put in boxes, do I need to backfill anything? And usually Friday night before a show, um, going through pricing all the slabs that are going to be in the cases. So I know exactly what the current comps are. And, you know, I think as a dealer, it looks better. Like if I, if it's fresh in my mind and somebody comes up and they start, they pull their phone out and they start looking, you know, at the, at the price of a car and they go, Oh, you know, the last, you know, I got it for 200. The last sale was like 140. And I said, are you sure about that? I thought there was a 185 sale and I think a 180 sale. Oh yeah. But, you know, there was a one for, yeah, well, okay. I mean, I understand that, but I already knew. I didn't have to take the time to look it up. I already knew there was a couple higher sales. Then we worked from there, you know, but I mean, I think it helps me as a dealer, uh, you know, knowing immediately, you know, my prices, the comps and what the last, you know, the last couple sales were on it. Uh, but it's all, you know, is it mundane? It's It's not exciting stuff. So, you know, in the last two days, filling up this box, it was, I was having fun. I was having fun. I was going through cards. I was saying, oh, I remember this. I remember that card. I remember pulling some of these cards. I started looking at prices. I mean, I wasn't excited about the prices, um, but they're value boxes, right? So anything that's, you know, up to $3 has ended up in the dollar row. Anything that's, you know, four or five dollars or three to five dollars is ending up in the two dollar row. And then anything over that, you know, the other row is, you know, five dollars and up from there in, in, in the fifth row. So and if it works out well, which I think it will, I'll have another box to fill. I'll be I'll have another one to uh, backfill on that and I can get some, you know, that brings action to my table, too, which I really like. Uh, sometimes and I remember early on when I didn't have many great cards in my cases when I first started setting up, but I have these value boxes. It was bringing people to the table and I was getting sales from it. But as I look out at this five row box, um, you know, I think you hear me talk about this all the time. It's, it's, it's found money at this point. You know, realistically, you know, it's it's lost money. You know, it's money that I spent on this stuff, but right now it's, it's found money because it's two years out or three years out. Um, I don't want to look at it negatively as lost money because it was a great form of entertainment. 
I was truly entertained when ripping, you know, that wax. Could I couldn't wait for it to show up. I ordered it. I would, you know, we all do this. We order something. We're always checking the tracking on it. Uh, it brings, I was thinking today, and it's funny, I should bring this up now. I was thinking today that I know when any, whatever's going to be in my mailbox today, when I wake up in the morning from informed delivery, from you, you know, the post office to you go to track the package on eBay. I mean, I can remember back at a time, like you would be hoping something was showing up in the mail and you would go to the mailbox every single day and you were either happy it was there or, oh man, it's not here today, maybe tomorrow. And now you've got 24 hours to wait again. And, and now being this informed, I mean, I know everything that's, that's, that's showing up in my mailbox, you know? So yeah, it would be, I would be waiting for these packages to come. And, uh, I knew I was getting ready. I'd order say 10, 10 of these blaster boxes and I would, you know, pace myself and three tonight, three tomorrow night, you know, whatever. And, when I was getting to day three, I'd be like, oh, start looking again. Let's get a few more coming. We'll take a few days off and start opening more again. Uh, and I was getting into breaks. Um, I loved watching breaks. I still do. Uh, I would not have changed any of it, anything at all about this time in the hobby for me. Uh, it was, again, like I said, a great form of entertainment. And I was truly entertained. So I feel the money that was put out there was paying for my entertainment, right? My enjoyment. Um, so many lessons learned. And when it comes to breaks, I still, when I'm working here in the office, I still watch probably three to five breaks a week. I just find breaks. Uh, and, and I, I have no vested interest at all in them, just purely entertainment, but I put it on and I'm working away and you can always tell when a great card's about, you know, they slow roll a great card and I pick my head up and, you know, I'm, uh, I'm watching the, this great card being pulled. Um, and, and you know what, it's not mine, but that's the way it was in the breaks too. The cards were never mine. Anyways, there was a great card coming. I, I was the unlucky one. It usually was not my card. I had one one time that it was my card. Um, it took a long time for me to truly understand when people would say, buy the card and, and not the box it could be in. I understood that statement from the get-go. I mean, but I felt that it was something I wanted to do. It was something I wanted to experience. And when I did go out and experience, like I talked about the entertainment part of it, I really enjoyed it. So if I'm having fun doing it, why stop? Um, so as I continued to grow in the hobby, I started finding entertainment in other places. You know, I didn't need to uh, be buying wax. I didn't need to be jumping into breaks. You know, I found entertainment in other places. And, and as I'm reflecting back, kind of, I, I want to call it my hobby evolution, right? How I evolved and or how I'm evolving in the hobby. Um, I'm glad I experienced everything because it left nothing to the imagination for me. I can say I was there. I did that. I was part of that. And anybody talks about it, I know exactly what they're saying. 
right? It's not like I came in and I was sheltered in the hobby and I listened to what every single person told me, don't do this, do this, do that. Um, because what works and doesn't work for me in my journey is different for each individual. That's their journey. What works for them? It doesn't work for me. So as, you know, as we could even know the hobby is a great place to be around people, to be around like-minded people and meet all kinds of people. We all, all have a different experience. All of us, none of us have the same exact experience. And some of us like to do things that other of us think are a dumb idea, right? But if we're being entertained or they're being entertained or they're happy spending their money that way, then, then so be it. So be it. There's just no reason anybody should be telling anybody else how, how they should be hobbying, right? We all have our, our it's, it's, it's our own journey. Um, and for me, experiencing all these things has helped me really focus on the things that I do in the hobby. You know, being a dealer, when I started out being a dealer, um, it was, it was the perfect storm. I mean, all you, it didn't matter what you were putting in your case, as long as it was a quarterback, people were buying it, right? Could be first rookie, second year, third year, fourth year, just people were buying these cars. It, it, you didn't even have to have a business plan, just show up at a show and put your stuff in and it was selling. Um, and then the hobby changed, right? And then you really had to come up with a plan. You had to know what you were doing in this hobby. Uh, and, and there were lessons I had to learn along the way. And I learned on my own. I learned from watching other people. But at the end of the day, I was able to put a business plan together, you know, for being a dealer and for my own PC, right? For, for the, the stuff that I, my own personal collection. Um, when I first started setting up as a dealer, I was constantly leveling up. I was listening to the people around me, level up, level up, level up, you know, take these cards and money and keep trading up to bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, and in season one uh, of the podcast, I talked about feeling like I was gaining status in the hobby with my fellow dealers because I had these more expensive cards in my case. And I couldn't have been any more wrong. You know, when I went back and I was listening to some episodes and I heard myself say that I was shaking my head as I, you know, I, and, and it was part of my journey, right? It's, it, it was the lessons that I learned. Um, you know, I was watching what was somebody else's journey, somebody else's path. It wasn't mine. I needed to create my own, not emulate what somebody else was doing. Maybe take the sum of all these other people, but it needed to be for me. It needed to be about what I'm, what I want to do and how I can be successful and how I can have fun. You know, uh, four lessons I learned from that. Uh, it's much harder to sell a 3000 plus card at a show, you know, anything over three K it's, it's, it's harder to sell that at a show. Um, when the market dips, the losses are greater. It's easier to sell 10 $500 cards than one $5,000 card at any show. And the higher the price of the card, the more the discount, more of a discount the buyer wants. I've always noticed that, you know, if you're selling a hundred dollar card, they want to take 10 or $20 off you're selling a thousand dollar card. They want a hundred dollars off. If you're 2000, 3000, they want hundreds of dollars off a card. Um, 
And I don't know why that's the mindset mindset in the hobby, but it's it's what people ask for. You know, through trial and error, I'm finding my lane. Uh, you know, as a dealer in the hobby, as a collector in the hobby, uh, and I just I realize the card market is always changing; it never stays the same. Um, when I look back at, at at all the things that have changed in the hobby, it, just in the last few years since I you know started setting up as a dealer, just unbelievable how mu how much things have changed. You know, and I remember doing an episode talking, uh, you know, to uh, Alex from Ideal Cards and John from Behind the Diamond, a couple guys that have been in the hobby for many years. And, you know, they just talked about cycles like they, you know, they watched it. If they're, you're in the hobby long enough, you see all these cycles keep repeating themselves. Um, so it's interesting that some of these guys who have been in the hobby a long time they stay successful because they know, they kind of know what's coming next, what's coming next, what's coming next. Um, so these are the guys I kind of keep my eye on, right? I, I can't go out and emulate everything, but I can listen, I can watch, I can see what they're doing just to kind of get a feeling of what's coming next in the hobby. It doesn't mean it's 100% right, but it's kind of how I figure things out. You know, I even switched up my inventory plan for the national, you know, based on the current state of the hobby and what is selling. Uh, my original plan uh, is what worked last year. And what was last year was then, and this is a new year, right? So what I saw happening at shows, I knew I needed to switch it up a little. I needed to switch my inventory up, what I was going to be putting on my case at the national, uh, just taking out there. And, and so far I'm pretty confident. Uh, I, I've done the right thing. I've made the right changes, but only time is going to tell if, if I was hundred percent successful or not. Um, just for me, just trying to keep up with the pulse of the hobby. Uh, when it came to my PC, uh, as much as I love prospecting and of course, you know, obviously ripping and, and getting into breaks is mostly a hundred percent prospecting, right? Unless you're buying, you know, old, old boxes of wax, but you know, it's a hundred percent prospecting. And as much as I love prospecting, I wanted to diversify my collection with some prospecting and, you know, like some hall of famers. Right. So, you know, one of the people I, you know, and then I, and I talk about this, that I collect is Mike Tyson. Um, you know, here's a guy is the same age as I am. Right? Uh, and I can remember him. I talked about this. I remember watching him, you know, and, and being a fan of his growing up. So I really enjoy getting his stuff. Uh, and, and it just, you know, it, it hits me a certain way and I really enjoy having it. Um, now I'll jump to Hall of Famers, right? I started collecting uh, WNBA stuff um, and just collecting mostly Hall of Famers there. Uh, and there's not many of us out there. I'm starting to connect with people out there that, that you know, I'm, I'm finding out that have these cards. I talked uh, um, in the last episode about, you know, meeting a guy that I was buying, meeting a, guy, a, a listener at a show that was selling on PWCC and I was buying his cards, right? So 
instant friendship there now. And uh, a few more people I've talked to along the way that do that too. And we all kind of agree on the same thing. I mean, the WNBA tipped off, you know, June of 1997. That's only 26 years ago. Um, it's, it's really in its, you know, infancy to where it's going to end up going. Um, so I think it's, it's kind of a neat lane for me to get in and, uh, get in early the way I look at it. Um, on the prospecting end, uh, of it, uh, I started collecting Trinity Rodman. Um, I love the idea of being able to identify a player uh, that is super exciting to watch, super talented, um, and who I think is going to have a great career. Uh, I'm excited by a lot of things, but most importantly, I'm able to start collecting her in her rookie year, right? Because that's some of the thing. That's one of the things that I think becomes the most important if you're going to collect somebody. You know, like when you turn around and say, oh, I want to start collecting, you know, Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady in 2019 or 2020 for Mahomes or, you know, it's too late. It's it's too late to get. I mean, if you could spend the money. It's never too late, I guess, if you have, you know, the money to do it. But, you know, being able to collect a player and identify a player who you think might have a, you know, a great career and start collecting them you know, their, their rookie year, getting in on the ground floor and just picking up all those, all those cards that are just, you know, really cool to have that, especially these cards that are numbered to 25 and 50 and 99 and being able to own as many of those. And I'm picking so many up in, in PSA tens and I'm having stuff great. So I'm really excited. Uh, I'm excited with her. I'm excited with uh, my collection of her. Uh, and then, and, other other uh, soccer players too as well. Uh, Sophia Smith, I've been picking up some of her stuff. Alyssa Thompson, uh, brand new rookie, you know, drafted last year, um, starting to pick up some of her stuff too. So it's a little prospecting end on the WN. I mean, on the uh, the NWSL. Um, but you know, I I, I I guess there'll always be a little bit of prospecting in 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 me to do. Um, but what a journey this has been over the last couple of years, you know, the lessons I've learned, the people I've met, the friends I've made. Um, and I alluded to this earlier about being in a, in a, a break and being the one, being the guy that pulled V card. Right. Uh, cause that's the one question I guess asked a lot when, you know, people meet me for the first time and we chat a little, they always say, I want to ask you, did you ever receive that Patrick Mahomes card? The Panini Black was an on-card auto, number to 10. It was a redemption card um, that I won in a break, probably one of the very first breaks. Within probably five or six breaks I was in, I hit this monster card, and it was a redemption. And, and at the time, I really didn't understand the redemption because before that, I had some tops redemptions, baseball redemptions, and I sent them out and they came right back. Like, you know, at that time it was like 30 days I was getting it back. And I just assumed, and I remember people saying, Oh man, you'll be waiting a while on this one. I'm like, no, it can't be that long. How long could it be? So at this point, you probably already know the answer because it's only been just under three years of me waiting. 
But no, not yet. I still have not received that card. Uh, this weekend is the Fenway show. Uh, my good friend Rod Gerard has gotten a Saturday pass. So he'll be set up with me on Saturday uh, at Fenway. Uh, definitely come by and say hello. Uh, on Saturday night, I will be on Sports Card Live with Jeremy Lee, uh, 10 p.m. Eastern or East Coast time. Um, it will be live on YouTube, so definitely check that out, too. That's all I have for you. I'll be back uh, Monday with a recap of the Fenway show. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. And if you like what you hear, please like, definitely subscribe. And most importantly, tell a friend and spread the word. And until next time, take care of yourselves and everyone around you. 